Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good morning on May the 15th, 2016 from Coolidge, Arizona. We see folks are plugged in from all over the country, and we welcome you aboard. Glad you're with us today. We're, the big subject, of course, is Acts chapter 5, and that um, uh, we're looking at verse 20 because it is the key to understanding why the churches are awry uh, on this issue, and that's the issue of apostolic authority and getting the covenants mixed up. So we're spending some time on that. We've gone through the Gospel of John, showing what Jesus promised uh, to and about the apostles or the disciples who were to become apostles at that time, which enabled them to do what they were going to do in chapter 5 of Acts and verse 20. Now, that's critically important. You just throw your Bible away because it won't do you one ounce of good till you get that straight. You got that? Until you have that right, there's no place for you in the Bible. You ought not even go there. You have to understand apostolic authority and that's what enabled them to stand up in Acts chapter 5 and verse 20, and teach the people, verse 20 and 21. So what we have as a statement before we go back now to the application of that is Second Peter chapter 1, which we got halfway through last week. The apostles began, they began on the day of Pentecost because they had access into the mind of God through spirit their spirit, the apostles began, listen now, are you with me? Sit down, get your thinking cap on, you don't have a cap, nobody's got, oh, oh, he's got, Kaipo's got his cap on, it says right across the front, I'm thinking, (laughs) all right, the apostles began and could do what they're doing in Acts chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, because they had everything right. Now, we come to the Bible and try to sort things out. We try to get things put together. But the apostles, from the day of Pentecost on, where they had truth revealed to them as promised by Jesus, they had everything right. Now you see, folks, why I am so emphatic that we must go back to the apostles. Not to the Bishop of Hippo. Not to Constantine. Not to Augustine. We must go back to the apostles realizing that they had it all right from the very beginning. And certainly not the teachings of Jesus either. We can't go there too. And we don't go to the teachings of Jesus because they were related specifically to the Jewish community. And there are principles that he taught that that follow through, just like there are some parts of the law that follow through. We're still not to kill one another but not because it was a part of the law, but because it is now a part of apostolic teaching. See the difference? All right. Now, with that having been said, that ought to change everything. That ought to get things right. If you can get into your mind what we've just said, and then what we're studying here, 
helps us get it all put together. So let's go to Second Peter chapter 1. We went through verse 11 last week. Let's not be redundant and go back through that again. But, you know, we could. We could go over it and over it and over it to realize the differences between the you and the us all the way through. The us is primarily speaking with whom as the spokesman is Peter, but he is including by using the plural of the rest of the apostles. And we're going to make, that'll, be, that'll come clear here as we go along. So we're going, today we're going to start with verse 12, remembering that we've already read and had a discussion on the first 11 verses. And remember one more thing. This is not an exegesis of 1 Peter chapter 1. This is only to plug in to those areas, as every verse does, those areas that apply to the effect of Pentecost upon the apostles. And as applied in Acts chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, and of course through the rest of the book. You see where we're going? That's why. We're looking at Second Peter as one of the apostles, and we're going to see what he has to say about it and the distinction that he makes so that we can get a handle on why we continually harp, if you want to call it that, on apostolic authority and that the apostles had everything right. And if you go back to anybody else, you've got it wrong. I know you go to some of these uh, universities and, and the Christian seminaries, and they go back and they study the early fathers. Well, if that's where you go, you've got it wrong. Because if they had it right, we wouldn't be in such a state of confusion today. We need to get out of that mode and get back to the apostolic authority. That's so simple to say, and it's so difficult for people to get a handle of. Everything that's wrong with the church today is what was created outside of apostolic authority. All right, let's begin with verse 12. What are you calling the fire? I, I uh, haven't had any tomatoes yet, but maybe before the morning is over. Therefore, therefore. Now, therefore is what we, would, would, what we refer to in uh, forensics as a logical conclusion, I mean, a logical indicator. Isn't it interesting? Um, I, have, I have a minor degree in forensics. But forensics today, by the way, don't, don't lose that trick that you just had. It had a word that I meant. Um, but it is, it, forensics today doesn't have anything to do with how, what I got educated in. Forensics today is uh, is uh, law enforcement data data. You know, the, the collecting and analyzation of evidence. When I took forensics, it was the matter; it was how you approached a subject, and so there is some similarity. But it was a speech-oriented subject at that time. Now it's a science and legal approach. So the terms have changed since I was in school to what it is now. I have a granddaughter who is a doctor of uh, forensics, working for law enforcement. So, therefore is a logical indicator. Therefore or wherefore. So he's, saying, he's saying then that did it were too young. Do I hear somebody talking? Oh, you've got it. Sorry, that was us. Uh, we didn't know we had the, not, ourselves not muted. Oh, well, you weren't listening then. Well, I guess they really aren't. Okay. So, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you. Who's the I? Okay, let's get it. Do you all see that? Who's the I? Now let's, let's make sure we all got it. Who's the I in verse 12? Huh? 
Peter. All right. Don't be bashful. Because this is all stemming on what we said, you know, to start with today. So, I will, and by the way, you're not in that eye. In fact, you're not in any of the pronouns. But there are some exceptions to that. I will always be ready to remind you. You is a corporate plural pronoun. You can't, you doesn't pluralize. So, but the Greek word, it is plural. You can check it there for me if you want to, but yeah, I, you just pat, you had it there, oh, right, right there. It's plural. Yeah. All right. So I will be. I I is singular, first person singular. You're not in that I. Who's in that I? Peter. All right. Don't be bashful. And uh, the you is referring to the people whom he is addressing. And that's discussed in verse 1. So do not take it out of that context. I'm reminding you of these things. Now, it says, I will always be ready to remind you about these things. And, and the word there in verse 12 is the word mellow. It means it's the same word that's used so often that's never, very, or very seldom, translated properly. And the, the early church fathers got every one of these 100% wrong. Mellow means it's about to be. I am about. I will always be about ready. <laughs> it's awkward for us, isn't it? But it's the word mellow. And uh, that is something that is about to take place. Not 2,000 years from now, not 1,000 years from now, not 50 years from now, but now. It's about to take place. I say I'm about to throw up. <clears throat> what does that suggest to you? Stand back. <laughs> i got to tell you this, it's gross. I was back in school way, 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 way back, you know, when school still had roofs. Um, I was working for Sears Roebuck. And um, I was in the delexing department. Well, I was the only one in that department. And what the... I refinished all the furniture. My job was finishing all the furniture that came through, everything that had to go through the office had to come through my shop. And any damage, we had to repair it and make it look like new. The tricks to that, you know. And um, one day, and of course, the, that was in the warehouse where the delivery guys would come, and they'd come and pick up um, washing machines and all that kind of stuff to take out for delivery purposes. One day I was feeling sick, and one of the truck drivers came in. They were contracted with Sears, and I was not feeling good. And I um, told told the guys, you know, I'm just not up to par today. I feel like I'm sick to my stomach. And I remember Jerry, the little the short trucker. He said, "Well, just kind of." Imagine yourself throwing up, and that's all it took for me to throw up, <laughs> all over him. There was no way he could escape. It came out like a volcano. It was so terrible. <laughs> Don't ever tell anybody to get over that feeling of thinking about doing it. <laughs> it didn't stop it at all. Well... But, you see, when we say, we know what the word's about to happen, we know what it means. If I say I'm about to throw up, you better clear your distance now. 
But that's used over and over and over again in the New Testament regarding the second. You know what some folks who don't know anything think about the second time. Talk, 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 you know, they talk about the second coming. Weird that people can talk about stuff like that when they don't know a second about it. And all the things that are related to that little word mellow is not translated that way. And so you miss the emphasis of that is missed, and that's got to be by deliberate choice, that there is a, there is a purposeful bias that is projected through the avoidance of that one word, mellow. So it's used here, but I didn't want to get, that's not really where we're going. We're looking at the pronouns primarily. I will always be ready to remind you that because there are two groups of pronouns here, there is the first person singular and there is the second person plural as a corporate. He didn't say, I'll remind each of you. I'm reminding you as a body of youans. So we have two distinct groups. Those two, those two groups cannot be brought together into an usans or a theans or anything else unless there is a deliberate action, and that deliberate action will be expressed somewhere in the text, and it is not here. I'm ready to remind you, I will always, I am about soon to remind you of these things, even though you, who's the you? The audience. Uh, 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 that you already know them, but you see, he's saying, you have to have things brought back to mind again. That's repetition, isn't it? We have to be reminded of certain things. We have to go over and over and over things. And then all of a sudden it dawns. I got it. You mean you just got it? Well, we've been going over that for 10 years. Yeah, but I got it now. Well, okay. <laughs> So, by the way, Kaipel, that was for your benefit. You don't feel like you have to get it all at once. That's right. You don't. You can't. It takes time and it takes repetition. So, Peter is telling them, I'm I have to remind you some things, even though you've already had access to them, you already know about them, but they have to be brought to your forefront of your thinking again. Even though you already know them and have been established Positioned in what? In truth. In the truth. Which is present with you. What was that? The present truth? Uh, oh, oh, that means that it is, it be, um, it is present... Um, it, it is present with you means that it perme has permeated you. By the way, look at that word for present. Yeah, it's parousia. It's the word that's used for those who are biblically ignorant. I say that hoping to get a tomato. That's the word coming, erkamai. Erkamai is a verb. This happens to be in the verb form here, but all the time when Jesus used that term or the disciples used that term, parousia, it is a noun. But here is a verb, in the, and uh, it's the truth is present. So when the second presence of Jesus, he puts a whole new light, there is no second coming. Oh, and you know, where will somebody go when you hear that? Yeah, <laughs> right out the door, yeah. What, what they'll do is they want to make an argument. I love it when they argue because they're stupid. I'm taking on Trump's stance here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, they they talk about um, Hebrews nine. It's in the latter part of Hebrews chapter nine, where it talks about the second appearing. Now, you know, I don't think you'll find that any that phrase anywhere else. 
uh, you'll find some phrases that are similar to that. But that second appearing is their big argument. And folks, it doesn't mean at all what folks have said it to mean because the word appearing there, as the word appearing always is, is what? Think about it now. What is a verb? So it has to have, you know, several things. You got to make sure they're all lined up. It's in what voice? You have to come into a place where you can see it. Yeah, that's right. It's not if it was if it was Jesus coming to us the second time, it would be in what voice? active voice, but it's in passive voice because it's where we move to where we can see him. Chew on that with your cud. Yeah, that's the analogy you use. Yeah. Well, uh, for for Kaipo, these folks have been through this before, Kaipo, but if you think of over, if you go down this way a block to the corner and make a right, and you come out on 82nd, there's a stop sign there. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah there is. There's a stop. Can you see it now? No. <laughs> no. You can't see it right now, can you? You know that it's there. Okay. You know that uh, because, for one thing, I just told you, so therefore you have faith. If you believe what I've said, there is a stop sign out there. That's, you, but you haven't seen it. Well, maybe you have, but anyway, you don't see it now. So what happens now? You, when you leave today, you go up here to the corner and make a right turn and go out to the 82nd Arizona Boulevard. Now you see the sign. Who moved, you or it? I did. No. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah. You moved. See, and that's when it says the second appearing, Jesus doesn't move. He doesn't move. We move to where he is. See? You don't see it until you get close to it. The same with the second coming of Jesus. You don't see him until you get close to him. You get close to him, not him to get close to you. You got that? All right. That's a hard one, but, you know, that, that makes it real. And, and that's worth at least the right to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. well, what's the application there, then? I mean, well, it, it means that there it says uh, in Hebrews 9 right. is that the first time he came to form the basis for salvation, but oh, really? his, when we see him, yeah. then we come to him, and then salvation is, uh, is full, fully realized. Yeah. Yeah. That's 927. And just before that, he in, introduces it. It is the pointer unto man wants to die, and then the judgment. Then he goes into this. You got it? Yeah. And not for, for for now. All right. So now let's go down to verse thirteen. I consider it right. Who's the I? Peter. As long as I, who's the I, in this earthly dwelling, to stir. The audience up by way of reminder, and that audience is described in verse one. Uh, one, yeah, uh, verses one and two. Um, those, uh, yeah. Any, anyway, that's all we need to know for now. Knowing uh, verse fourteen, knowing that the laying aside of my who's the my Peter, earthly dwelling is imminent. as also our Lord Jesus has made clear to everybody. Is that what it says? No, no. I, I tricked him. I got him tricked. Good, I got one up on you. Well, me is Peter. Yeah, it uh, has been made known not to everybody, but to me. Now, people go off on that and say that, you know, God is determining when you are born and when you are going to die. That's not true. 
God hasn't predetermined your death. God is not micromanaging your birth. He's not micromanaging your life. He did those who were a part of the revelation of the big picture, but you're not in that picture. Don't put yourself in that picture. There is nothing that happens to you that God does that doesn't happen to everybody whether God does it or not. That's going to make everybody mad. And I'd say, you know, prove prove it to me to the opposite. Well, God did this. Well, how do you know he did? Did you see him? Did, did he really do it? If God did that to that person, why did he do it to this person? God is no respecter of persons. And, and why does what you think God did to this person happen to everybody who doesn't profess God at all? That's nonsense. That's not how, that's not what the church is about. But that's why all of these churches are growing. God is doing this for you. Nonsense. That is pure paganism. We've got to get over it. It's idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. It has put the self up as the idol. That God is cognizant of you in spite of where it is you are. We talked about that last week. We have to be where we're supposed to be to be a participant in the promises. Let's read on. We're not, we're not going to get through with this. Yeah, we're going to get started. So, laying aside in verse 14 that my earthly dwelling is eminent. So, Peter is saying that my time is not long. Now, you know, we may know when we're going to die. But God is determining your last breath. He just knows that when you take your last breath, he gets it. That's what he knows. You see, God has limited his sovereignty. God can do anything. But God has limited his sovereignty to the confinement of the Scripture. Just as we are to limit our finite sovereignty to the limitations of Scripture. You got it? So, the Lord Jesus made clear something to Peter that he's not going to make clear to you and he's not going to make clear to me. And if we think they do, we don't know that and we're making an assumption that may get us into a a whole lot of trouble. Verse 15, but uh, there again, I, who's the I, will be diligent that at any time after my departure, Everything will fade away and be forgotten. Who's the you? His audience. That you will be able to call these. Oh, folks, I want you to. I want you to really get mad. I can just see the red coming right up the back of your neck right now. There's a dog that we walk with occasionally that has. Um, what is the breed of it? The hair down the back goes the opposite direction. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like a hog's back, but there's a name for that breed. And right down the spine of the back of that dog, the hair all goes the opposite direction as all the rest of the hair on the dog. It's just got a ridge. Well, Why did, why did I go there? The hair. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ray, Ray, uh, this ought to do it. So plug in. Plug in now. I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Why? You want to know why? Because there is no longer any supernatural aid. If there was supernatural aid following the apostles, then anybody 
would be able to have access into the thinking of God and would not have to call anything to mind that was said by the apostles. After my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Why? Because if you don't, you no longer have access to them. So what the church has done today is got the Gospels mixed up with the New Covenant, and they got the New Covenant incorporated into the Old Covenant, and some even have gone so far as to incorporate the patriarchal law into the Christian age, and what a conglomeration of confusion. Waiting for the first tomato. that you will be able to call these things to mind. Don't forget that phrase. Why? Why is he making that appeal? Because, folks, if you don't get it, you're not going to get another chance. There's no longer any revelation coming from God except what is coming through us now. I can just feel it. All right. That's a powerful passage, folks. Verse 16. For we, including him, because see now what he's done, these things that you need to call to mind, you can't forget them because there's not, you're not going to get another chance. Now, they're going to get recorded, but you can't go anywhere else. This is it. No other source, for we did not follow cleverly devised trail, uh, tales when we were made known, when we, we, now he is including himself along with who? The apostles, with the other apostles. He is one of them in verse 1. He is including himself with the other ones here. Doesn't have to say so. He's got an audience that's brighter than most so-called Christians today. We did not follow cleverly devised tales that when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So now, let's, can we go to the Greek on that word? I want to check the word. Um, we sure can't make ourselves in this way because we are certainly not eyewitnesses. You're right. No, we, we are what John chapter 17 says. We have come to know Jesus through what the apostles have said. And um, that's in John chapter 17. Look at, look at um, the word here for coming. And the, um, okay, you see this word here for coming that's translated? Known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I said earlier tonight, this morning, that the word coming, when it's referring to this event, is not the word erkamai as a verb. It's a noun. As, is it is a noun here? Yeah, it's a noun. And it's in the feminine gender. It has to do with his presence. And that's what the word should have been translated as. That's how it was translated down in the other verse that we read this morning already. I forget where it was. But we looked it up. Oh, in verse 12. It's the same word. There is a verb. Here is a noun. But it means the same thing, the presence. So make known to you, the audience, the power and the presence, not the coming. That, need to, that needs to sink deep of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So that identifies who it was, particularly Peter and... No, no, no. Well, it may be. Yeah, we're still not talking about the we, because here we have a change in verse 17 that we have... 
of the yeah, what's that? Is that the audience? No, not the Weans. The Weans is never the audience. It's, it's always the author and whoever he's including with himself. But notice in this context, we have to be careful. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, such as an, uh, 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 an utterance as this was made to him by the, ma- by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Then verse 18 becomes very specific. You can't argue your way out of this one. Why, you'd have to have 14 doctorate degrees to be stupid enough to misunderstand this one. And we ourselves heard this utterance. So who might it be? Those of the transfiguration. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So now we have the we defined specifically in this context as those who were with Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration. So the we is slightly different than the us? No. It's all referring to that. But I'm saying that in this little package of context here, he's narrowed the field down to, to the mountain scene. And who would that include? Well, Moses and Elijah. No, not all the apostles. Who else? We have Elijah representing the the patriarchal age. We have Moses representing the Mosaic age. We have Peter, James, was it Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration? And remember, Peter said, why don't we build three tabernacles? One for for, uh, Elijah representing the, uh, the patriarchal age. Covenant. Let's build one for Moses, representing the Mosaic Age dispensation, and then we're gonna we're gonna make one for Jesus, representing the Christian Age. And no, 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 no. We're not gonna have three different various covenants. See, that's what all the that's what all the Baptist churches have done, all the Nazarene churches have done, all the Catholic churches have done. They got all their all of their covenants mixed up. Smorgasbord, take what they like out of each one. So the voice said, "This is my beloved son. Hear ye." What's it say? Remember, not in the text. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Hear what he has to say. And he's going to delegate that to whom? He's going to prepare his disciples who were to become his the apostles. He's going to prepare them for the establishment of the kingdom and of the church that can't be begun until his death and the satisfaction for the sin issue has taken place. All right, let's read on. I didn't mean to get into so much detail here. So... It's clear, isn't it, that he's talking about the apostles here, himself in particular, those who were with him on the holy mountain. Now, verse 19. Boy, we got I got I, I don't want to come back to this. So, we, so we, who's the we? That same, that same group, but it's representative of the apostolic authority. We have the prophetic word made more sure to which you. So we have the word. You do what? You pay attention. As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars. 
You know what? The can you? This is a novelty thing. You want to go there for a minute? I want to see what that word morning star. Um, and I want you to see that. Um, Okay, now, you do what you want a bomb thrown at you? I'm not going to take time to document this this morning, but that's the word for Lucifer. See, yeah, see, people confuse Lucifer with the devil. Lucifer's not the devil. The word Lucifer means morning star. See how confused people are? That's free. We can document that later. Go go to the one or two places where the word Lucifer is used and you'll find out that it's the same thing. And, and you know... They call Nebuchadnezzar Lucifer. And so we, we, we get conjured up in our mind that he's the devil. He's not the devil. He was the morning star. To Babylon meant that he was chief of chiefs. Okay, so you have to go change your clothes. I can handle that. All right. Some of those things you have to check out to make sure. That was that was a, a novelty thing. So, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Now, folks, I've got to take time for this. We're almost done. In your heart. Yours is plural. But hearts is plural, too. So, where the object of the pronoun equals the... Gender, uh, the uh, the number of the object, the object and the pronoun agree in number, it is then talking about each heart. That's how you express it in the Greek. You don't have to do it that way, but in the hearts of you all. Your hearts. Yours is plural. Hearts is plural. Isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I thought it was. Hearts is plural. So he's talking about everyone's heart, each person's heart. So that's the individuality of that verse. Now, verse 20 and verse 21, and we'll close. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy, and here if you would read this a little bit different, don't want to change the term necessarily, Necessarily, but for this, for the clarification, that there be know this first of all that no declaration. That's what the prophecy means: one who is speaking. So let's use the word declaration. That no declaration of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. That's completely misleading. Of it, simply means that no man has created the message individually that he is preaching of our bunch. No declaration of Scripture is something that has come out of Peter, James, or John, or Matthias. It is not our own creation, is what he's talking about. No man, no apostle created this message out of his own heart. And then verse 21 tells why. For no message, no declaration, or no prophecy, that is one who, the word prophetes means one who speaks for another, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Folks, that is eliminating everything and everybody except from the apostles. All of the bishops of the Dark Ages, Augustine, 
Constantine, all of those early writers, nothing, absolutely nothing. I don't care how many degrees you've got from the Bishop of Hippo. He doesn't know Sikkim. He needs to get rid of what it is he said and get back to apostolic authority. No prophecy, no message of God, one who speaks for another, was ever determined by an act of human will. But man moved, but those men moved. We need to go to the Greek on that. But there you you go, right there. But in contrast, as they were moved, oops, I had it, lost it. I'm I'm after just that last last little phrase there. Um, In the heart, you down down a few more, but but holy... uh, um, as, As they... As they were moved, you see, the, the, the language is so different. And so it is zeroing in here on Peter is giving his final a plea, final plea to these people to recognize in this entire chapter the difference between his audience and apostolic authority. These men, give me a parsing there on that verb as they were moved. All right, it's a participle. So it is describing a condition of these men. And when did that that take place with these men? Oh, by the way, I need that parsing again. Okay, that's all I needed there. When did this take place? It took place in Acts chapter 2. These men, in, in having been connected with God in spirit, moved, and that's, that's really kind of a funny word, you want to look good at 5352? Yeah. That one right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you see, it, it, it's, that's, um, we're, we're out of time. I'd like to explore that just a little bit. But, they had a change, and that change was made to the apostles. When they became apostles, what was the event? What was the day? The day of Pentecost. Where is that defined in our Bibles? Acts chapter 2 is where the apostles, and how was it manifested to their audience was through their ability to speak in everybody's language by saying the same thing, but everybody understood it. Now that's tongue speaking. Is where you speak your language, everybody with every other language on earth understands what you said when you spoke your own language. Is that how they do it today? No. They're silly and it's nonsensical. Okay. The point here, folks, in winding this down tonight, or this morning, is in Acts chapter 5, verse 20, and verse 21. The apostles were told by the angel, go and stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. It was promised to them by the apostles, which we read and studied in chapter John 14, 15, 16, and 17, those four chapters. And then here he ties it all together in 2 Peter chapter 1, identifying them 
as the one who had the message and that the church had better pay attention to that message because if they didn't, they were in trouble. Apostolic authority is where we must be. And the first thing you ask anybody, as I've mentioned this many times, the, the apostles began with everything right. That's why we go back to them. That's why we ask any preacher who comes in to replace me, what is your position on apostolic authority? And if they don't have a reasonable answer to that, they may not have everything that we've discussed, but you can't do that unless you take 10 years to describe it. But if they don't have it, it's not worth going any further. Because if they don't understand apostolic authority, cutting out every other authority of the dark ages, if we can't get back to what they taught, then folks, we, it doesn't matter whether we're here or not. It doesn't make any difference to our community. We have to be where the apostles were and what they taught. We cannot compromise from that. Father, we thank you for these precious moments for those who have tuned in today. Um, we pray that they will have a sense of satisfaction and uh, some things to ponder and to think about. And may our commitment to you be that we bring ourselves into alignment with your word in every regard. In Jesus we pray. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.